Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I am joined by Kay Bottomley. Kay is the founder and VP of Storm4. Storm4 is another installment of the of the Levin, the group, uh, the fastest growing group of recruitment companies on the planet. A couple of weeks ago, I featured a rehash of a, an episode with James Brown, the founder of the group, uh, back in 2021. One of the most listened to episodes, one of the most uh, talked about companies. Um, they really are ripping up uh, the industry by storm and doing things completely differently. Now, Kay started Storm 4 about a month after I did the interview in 2021, so February 2021. She's now, less than two years in, at 125 staff across multiple global locations. And in this episode, you're going to hear the detail around how they've done it. I got really under the skin of the processes, the procedures, the people that's required around a team to grow this fast. And every single recruiter they hire is a graduate with no experience. So they go from zero to one to five in less than two years with purely inexperienced people and are making profit. I mean, it's just bonkers the way they go about it, but I love it. Okay. Worked with um, the S3 group originally. Her old boss came in at the top of, uh, of the Levin and brought her through. She wasn't even looking for a new opportunity. She was very happy where she was. But this chance to join the Levin and, and be part of something that is, as I said, trailblazing in our industry it was just too big to miss. So if you're inspired by insane growth, high growth, fast moving recruitment organizations, when, then this one's for you. Let's get into it. Without further ado, Kay, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I think we should tell people the truth about what happened about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so for anyone who anyone who wants to know, we, we agreed to record this episode about 10 minutes before I turned up. However, I'd switched on the software to get it all ready, forgetting to not turn that off. So I'm then thrown into a meeting with a client about the Hoxo Academy pitching this client pretty hard to get it over the line because I knew I was late and I'm sweating. It was a hard pitch. And then I realized as I put the phone down or the zoom off and I clicked back on, I was like, she's probably seen and heard every bit. And the truth <laughs> is you did, didn't you? I did. It's a it come up at the bottom, you're backstage. But I was like, I'm backstage, but I feel like I'm peering into something I shouldn't be seeing. But I enjoyed it, Sean. I enjoyed it. I'm sure I don't do that every week. Imagine if I did that as like a sales tactic. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. <laughs> what do you think of the academy now, Kay? Are you, are you, are you I'm, I'm in, I'm in. 
Yes, love that. Well, look, Kay, now that we're uh, officially in the show and not just backstage, um, I think it's important that we let the listeners know who you are. I've done you a brief introduction there, but I can never do it justice. So do me a favor, just for the for the listeners' benefit, could you give us a really bird's eye view of you now and the business today, not the historical stuff? We'll do all that after. Yeah, of course. So um, right now, I am a senior vice president of Storm4. Um, I was the founder of the brand. Um, we launched in February uh, 2021. So we're now 19 months old and we are a global business. So we have 52 in London. Mm. We have 35 in Amsterdam. We have 25 in Singapore and we have one in Australia. Oh, the poor Aussie. No, I mean, he is actually sitting in the Singapore office at the moment. He isn't right. just in Sydney on his own. But yeah, he's he's our Australian head, but he's in Singapore currently until our office opens. Well, that sounds ridiculously uh, high growth because you started the business in February 2021, right? Yeah, exactly that. Just just me, February 2021, and didn't have any friends for a good three months. <laughs> well, obviously, two weeks ago, I re-released the interview that I did with James Brown. CEO of the group Levin in um in in January 21 and he talked about I mean, he definitely referenced talk, just the brand Storm 4 coming Storm 3 I think was was Storm 3 around around at that point yeah we we literally me and Claire launched <laughs> the two businesses on the same day yeah yeah so I knew that I knew there was more brands coming um and is there Storm 5 and 6 now there is 5 and 6 yeah we're gonna end or it'll be like Storm 62 or something like that storming I, every I, I, I don't think it will ever end <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Um, but one obviously JB's interview went down well, so that's why I re-released it in the gap that I had when I when I went away. Um and we've been on the radar to talk to you for a long time. Um, apologies it's taken so long. Um, but it is it is bonkers, I think, the way that every one of your brands is spitting out a similar, if not even higher growth plan than the original. So what I'd like to do is let's go back and focus on you for a bit and then we'll focus on the business and where you're heading, right? So Tell us, you. How long have you been in recruitment? I come. Your first role on LinkedIn is that recruitment? Like, is it JP Gray or something? Yeah, that- JP Gray. That's an S three brand or was yeah. an S three brand. So yeah, I'm I'm 13 years and two months in recruitment. And what got you into it originally? Um, I, no idea. Um, oh. the the I think the job adverts on Reed that says 100,000 OTE. That was probably what was caught enough. my eye. Yeah. Um, and then reading through the, you know, the advert, I thought I was going to be in some kind of job centre-esque environment, helping people get jobs. Right. Um, obviously walked onto an S3 sales floor and d- discovered that wasn't the case. <laughs> Do you enjoy that S3 sales floor though? Was it, did it work um, for you? I, I loved it. Like I've, I think I've, I don't think I loved recruitment for a good year, year and a half, but I loved the recruitment environment. You know, the Back in 2009, you know, it's high energy, high pace, um, very salesy, but also, you know, I, I always like to think I lent towards the like service centric side of sales. So I was trying to find my own way in, in quite a salesy world. Um, yeah, from day one, I was I kept trying to, you know, help the the contractors who just couldn't get their next contract. That was the, the ones I focused on, you know, much to my manager's dismay. But I, I think I kind of carved out my own niche as someone that genuinely wanted to help, um, which in contract recruitment into public sector in the middle of a recession was uh, <laughs> no easy task, but but good fun. And I think the people, um, the people keep you in recruitment. I think, yeah. uh, you know, right throughout my whole career, the the people, the managers, the peer groups, um, yeah, it was just fantastic. So yeah, it's been um, 
been an interesting road, but yeah, I did. I enjoyed the sales. What were you like as a recruiter? What was your kind of performance like your skills how would you describe yourself so my first year was I think you know what you hear it from a lot of people that stay in recruitment like it wasn't the easiest I I was doing you know local government and housing in in the middle of a recession which at the time I had no idea was tough but obviously it was very very tough and I did contract recruitment for my first year and a half Mm. um and yeah, it was it was tough. I, I did enjoy it. I liked the I liked the thrill. I liked the I loved the ups. The downs were obviously annoying, but I think that when I moved to a perm desk, which was eighteen months into my career, I think that's when I really come alive as a recruiter and realised, you know, there's there's so much value add if you're a good recruiter. That that's it. Like that's everything. There's unfortunately, and I think it's less prevalent today than it was. But there's a lot of bad recruiters out there, and I think if you're a good one, a genuine one that cares and and does a good job, that's that's kind of your USP. You don't really need anything else. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. I I always, I don't know. I always looked at it like I wanted to be mates with people. Like I always wanted to be friends with my candidates and clients. So I thought if I if, if I treat them a certain way, it's you know, I would treat other people. Um, the hardest thing is obviously coping with the influx of people that want your attention that are looking when they're not right. And there's loads of things, you know, we get wrong when we're busy, but I just found that the basics were always the the, the thing you need to focus on. Do you do what you say you'll do? Do you tell people, you know, I used, to, I used to really pride myself on letting people down saying, look, you're not right for this job. And I've talked about how it backfired a couple of times and they ended up getting the job through another agent. But, <laughs> but most often than not, they didn't. And and I was, you know, I stuck to my guns. And I think that there's too many out there that want to be a yes man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were yes. What, all they want to do is a yes to everything. And then they don't follow up. But they don't, they, don't, they don't follow through on anything, which I think is where they let them, the industry lets itself down. Definitely. So I don't want to go into your life as a recruiter. That's not this show. But how did your career progress? Were you always destined for leadership and management were you that kind of thinking about the sales route where where did it how did it meander through I think um I think probably my my managers back then would have said I was always destined for leadership but I um I never wanted to go into management and I think um I I moved to another brand within the the group and um set up a division which was was covering West Africa which was was a was a crazy few years um doing the oil and gas market and we basically got to a size where, you know, as, as one of the founding members of that team, to grow further than we had, I had to take on a managerial role. And it was such an amazing market with such potential that I think for me, you know, my, my boss come to me and said, you know, you either go down the management route or we have to stick at forehead count on this market. And I just I think I just couldn't take that opportunity away from other people coming into the business because I'd you know, struggled for two and a half years through really tricky markets and as much as this had a lot of complexities it was it was a commercially a dream um so yeah I I, I went from principal um to into a sales team a, a billing manager role um yeah much to my dismay but but then you know once you get the the team members and the graduates and, and you see them make their first deal like it all becomes worth it then so you kind of forget the the selfish part of you that just wanted to focus on building up accounts and, and yeah. delivering to jobs and, and you start to see them do it really well and, and that obviously drives you on further and and then yeah haven't haven't really looked back from the leadership from then really yeah I love it and then so you ended up at Gravitas didn't you and that was a pretty you had a big role there you said you know what how would you describe your position at Gravitas 
so I come in to do something a bit a bit different for them and um, I that the, they had something called a client services division and at that point in my career um, I'd really enjoyed working with um, we had a resource center in Glasgow that I'd been working really closely with at, at the previous role um, and I loved uh, teaching people how to deliver but also having you know I'm a bit of a control freak so having the control over the client side um, but also teaching people how to deliver really high quality and in, into those clients um, was something that I hadn't seen on the market. So when I decided to move on, um, I met with Gravitas and, and they were doing some extraordinary things around. Um, they'd set up this division called Client Services um, and it was set up in mind to, to do exactly what I wanted to do, which was, wow. you know, someone was the front person for the accounts would go in, penetrate through the businesses. And then they would have a team of expert delivery consultants that could work any vertical within the tech space um, and really quickly deliver in. And I hadn't seen that anywhere else with any of the other businesses I interviewed for. And right. it, it was something that I really wanted to try. Um, and that, that's why I took on that role. And yeah, and I the, enjoyed it. You massively. were the face of those accounts, were you? I was, yeah. Right. And when we, when we had the pre-chat, you said you were pretty happy there. Yeah, incredibly happy. Gravitas is a, a phenomenal company. They're, they're, they're still doing amazing things. And they they hire really, really great people, like personality-wise. You know, it's an XS3, um, mm. you know, set-up company. So mm. from a cultural perspective, it was, you know, it, was, it fell so in line with with what I'd been used to. So it was kind of a home from home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great, it was, is a great company. And you work with Aaron from Hoxo, Aaron Hoxo? Yeah, 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 yeah. I worked with him for probably about a year and a half. I worked with what Aaron. Really, yeah. What was he really like? <laughs> Heard his side of the story. What do you, what uh, you uh, Hyper. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm sure he still is. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Aaron was great. Um, you know, again, I think we, we bonded a lot over the service centric side of what I wanted to do. Like, I'm a, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you, if you treat your clients the right way and, and you deliver it, an excellent service like they're going to come back time and time again and he absolutely had that like fundamentally just wanted to deliver the best service so we actually worked really well together because he was on one of the um 360 markets yeah. so then I was almost like coming in and going into their accounts which obviously is a, a tough thing for any recruiter to do you know they don't want to give up any kind of control so um I think you know building those relationships internally was key so yeah Aaron Aaron, Aaron was Aaron was very good to me Go on, Aaron. Well done. Um, so how did the introduction or the whole thing with with JB go with 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 Levin? How did how did it all start? So it all started with um, Victoria Maloney. So she was a um, she was my director at S3 um, when I was building up one of the perm desks there. And and when she left um, and she obviously was consulting with a range of different businesses, um, she always said that she would uh, reach out if anything super sexy um, kind of crossed her desk. And uh, and I didn't hear from her for a good couple of years. No. Um, so I thought maybe she'd forgotten about me. But um, alas, she hadn't. So she reached out um, one day back, back end of 2020. And, and you know, I, I told her exactly what I did. I was like, I'm really happy. You know, things are going really well at Gravitas. We were traversing COVID much like a lot of business is but I think doing a good job at it and um we yeah we just we had a chat we had a catch-up and she said look there's this business and I, I would love for you to meet them and you know after a lot of back and forth with me saying look I'm really not in a position where I, I want to be looking um she kind of called in a favor and was just like look you know you you have to go and, and meet this guy for coffee and after that I'll say no more 
Um, so, so I did, and, and thankfully I did, because yeah, the the twenty minute coffee chat turned into a two hour strategy session around what the brand would be and what it would do. And obviously, JB, you, you've met, you've spoke to, is mm. an incredibly uh, infectious character. And when he talks about vision, you, you just kind of get completely caught up in it. And, and I definitely it? did and what that. What was day. it about? What was it about his vision that that got you gripped? I think a complete lack of limiting belief like complete lack, like there was no, you know, the numbers he was talking, the growth plan he was discussing, the fact that, you know, we'd be able to cover the US from London, again, something that I'd I'd always wanted to do, but never had the opportunity to. His complete lack of, I mean, it might not work or risk, you know, it was all very much like th- this is, this will work, this is, we, we are going to do this. It was almost like a if you don't come and join us, we're still going to complete this vision. Um, and I think that for me, I just, I was looking at it thinking you are like, a, I had full belief after, you know, what was probably only 90 minutes, you're hundred percent going to do this. Um, so I can either get involved and, and be a huge part of it, or I can sit on the sidelines wishing that, you know, I got involved back then. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I do, I do enjoy taking risks. So it was a risk, but and was 100% it, is it the journey that he sold you or is it the end game which or a combination like what what's the what's making you leave a really good job in a comfortable environment to to join a you know an absolute rocket ship in theory that was already growing so he'd already had a bit of track record that it was working right yes yeah absolutely yes mm. uh, you know the, the the initial brand was um i think it had grown to 30 when i um when i joined so they're definitely i mean in in normal circumstances 0 to 30 in a year you'd be like wow like that's mm. a complete success already but the numbers he was talking and you know the people i think the people that he had involved in the project um that for me was also inspiring like i've sitting around a, a table with the likes of victoria maloney james brown george truella claire cooper like that that was probably what really tipped me over the edge it was like these are incredibly successful people they have a high growth mindset and i think i wanted to i wanted to be sitting at that table with them having the conversations that i knew they were going to be having so yeah i think the journey definitely i mean i, I don't think you should do anything for the end goal like the end goal is the the payment for for the journey being so exceptional so yeah it was definitely the journey that got me obviously the the potential end goal is always going to be appealing but um yeah it was it was getting to work i think on this project and launching for something from scratch i mean it was kind of a dream come true so for people who don't know and haven't listened so at that point they had storm two which was the first brand of levin Correct, and then, and then he'd already cons- so he he's ex Faden, right? And he'd got Faden people around him, and then mm-hmm. you're ex S three, so yeah. and so you didn't know the Faden guys, you just knew. I didn't, right. yeah, never, never, never met any of them. First, right. first time I met them was the first day in the office. Um, I think in February we had a just a manager's catch up, and yeah, that was the first. I walked into a room, and, and they were all good friends. Um, so that was like, you know, kind of. Do you see any difference there between the way they thought and you thought, or training backgrounds? Like, was there an obvious fade and versus less real? I don't think it was fade and versus. I think it was more like a jigsaw puzzle coming together. Mm. It was like they had some insane, like you know, because of I think the speed of growth that they had versus maybe. Uh, you know, some of the kind of longevity or the, you know, the the processes that S3 had. 
um, it was almost like when we started talking, it, it become apparent like this was going to be an amazing match because there were things they were saying that got me excited. There were things I had experience in that got them excited. So it was almost like we we left our baggage at the door and come with all the things that we'd loved from both of our respective backgrounds. And that created something, I think, pretty special across all of the brands. And did he, so what, what was the, I guess, what was the the deal? It was, we've got Storm 2, we're building a shared services type model where you've got training and marketing and all that was 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 coming together. Yeah. Did he did he give you the market and say it's Storm Four? This is the name. This is the market. Or how did it all come together to be what it is? So it's quite serendipitous to be honest. So when when we sat down for that coffee and we're kind of brainstorming, I um you know J, JB's as I said he he pulls a lot from you. So he was like you know if you could do anything blank page you know, what would you do? And I was kind of like on the spot thinking, oh, I, I thought I was, I wasn't sure what I was interviewing for or meeting for, but um, I was kind of like, what would I do? If I, I've had a complete blank canvas, what would I do? And I was like, the first thing I said was the US. I was like, I, I, I have to be involved in the US market. Like things are, um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of friends working over in New York and Miami and Boston. And I knew that the market commercially was just unreal. Um, I so I wanted access to the US market. I then started thinking about the US, and this was at the time where the presidential election was was going on. So it was either Trump or Biden. Um, I'd watched quite a bit of it. I'm not super into politics, but I'd watched quite a bit, and I knew that Biden had kept talking about the investment into the planet, the investment into the environment, what he was going to do from an EV infrastructure point of view. Um, and as I was kind of you know talking to JB, I was like, it has to be it has to be something to do with climate tech, like. David Attenborough, I think, you know, I've got the biggest crush on him. I think he's just unreal, you know, watched every episode of everything he's ever released. And I think just something in me, I'm, I'm not the greenest person. I'm still learning. I think like a lot of people my age are, but um, I just knew, I think something in me was just intrinsically like commercially, it's fantastic. Impactfully, it's fantastic. Like a lot of things come together. So I said to him kind of on a bit of a whim, I was like, it, I think it would be like clean tech, green tech, whatever you want to call it. Like it has to be tech. Um, I love technology recruitment. So I was like, yeah, like green tech or clean tech, sustainability tech. Um, and he flipped open his um, notebook and it said Storm 2 FinTech, Storm 3 Health Tech, Storm 4. I think he, he put clean tech. We obviously call it green tech now. And I was just like, is this a joke? Like are you some kind of weird magician? <laughs> <laughs> And I'd never voiced that before. It wasn't, you know, wow. this wasn't something I'd spoken to Vix about. This was just an on-the-spot conversation. Yeah. So it was a very, um, yeah, it was quite a surreal moment where you realise that your future boss is uh, a mind reader. <laughs> wow. And how did you, how did your exit at Gravitas go? What did, because like, they, it's not every day someone leaves to do what you were about to do. How did, how did they take it? Um, respectfully, I think, is probably the best word to describe it. Like, obviously, there was... And, you know, like there, there will always be an air of disappointment in parting ways when when things are going really well. Um, but I think, yeah, re respectfully, like the what I was going to do was so different, you know, working completely different market, completely different verticals, completely different locality. Um, I, you know, it was, yeah, it was really respectful. Right, that's good to know. And then, so take us back to day one then. So you walk in in February. Yeah. Claire Cooper's setting up a business as well. Yeah. And I believe, hadn't you already added like a ridiculous amount of grads you'd already hired or was that your first job? No, that was our first job. Our first job was to, well, my first jobs were um, code the database. So learn enough about green tech that you can code a full database. Um, choose your color. 
because obviously there was no colour for Storm yeah. 4 at that point. Um, and then, yeah, and then start hiring graduates. So work out the profile of obviously what yeah, what you want to hire. So they were my first three jobs to do when I walked in how the do door. How do you code a database in a market you don't know? So get get to know it, I think, was probably the, the, the biggest thing. So I think COVID was incredibly helpful for me at that point because I jumped on a lot of like um, clean tech forums so what would usually be done like physically in San Francisco or uh, Detroit I I could actually buy I bought passes for and and went virtually onto the conferences so I was sitting in like pitches of you know startups pitching to VC firms you know watching those Um, I was talking I was being put into these little network groups of people just chatting about EV infrastructure and ag tech and vertical farms and I think just over yeah probably probably attended around a total maybe 50 hours of conferences um just learning you know and they were obviously late nights it was america so you know my my husband would be you know sitting there watching a film and i'd be on there like okay yeah tell me more about that at 11 o'clock at night um but it was fun you know learning i think for me learning is is a great thing in recruitment like if you continue to learn new things that keeps you really interested so yeah, that's what I did and then coded out the database. Um, and then the grad started and told me it was all wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> so how many grads did you hire at the beginning? Uh, 25. And, and how, did, how did that happen? Talk us through the process. So we, um, we, we decided that we wanted to um, hire in cohorts. Like it was something that I think the, that Storm 2 had done and, and it had worked really well. You know, we, we are... The kind of profiles that we hire are super competitive people, you know, really ambitious, um, love that. You know, usually they've done like sports or music and competed at really high grades or levels. So, um, you know, when you're in a cohort, you can really quickly see like, oh, that you know, they're doing really well at this. Like, I want to be a champion at that. And I think that we we decided that 25 was was a good number to to kind of get that that buzz going about the market and and really like understanding that we've, we've got four verticals so you know we wanted to put a good amount into each um so yeah just decided that 25 was the right number and well actually we decided 20 was the right number but then we overhired a little bit because we got you know some so many amazing people coming through wow and what, what are the four verticals so we do data software engineering product and sales and marketing right and how do you know how many people you can throw into those areas like how do you work that out I think a little bit of intuition. Um, you know, I've I've done tech recruitment for ten of the thirteen years. Um, I've been pretty hands on, you know, most of the time. Um, so I think there was a little bit of intuition, like understanding, you know, when a company gets funded, you know, what they hire first, what they hire second, once they've got an MVP, what happens next. So I think you know, just in your head, mapping out the natural. Um, progression of a tech startup and understanding you know on crunch base like if someone's gone through series b what does that mean from a hiring perspective so i think you know just a bit of knowledge around funding and and the tech market and then yeah a little bit of just gut instinct thinking okay well you know sales and marketing and engineering have to come first so let's put a few more heads into those and then product and data maybe comes a bit later so you know a few less into those so that we're not kind of overthrowing the the market straight away and was it was it purely after that that startup sector, or was it? Were you? Is there is there a, is there a, a, a community of, of established businesses as well that you could you could go after? 
I mean, there definitely are. We tend not to like the the I think the excitement that we get is really helping the companies that have you know just secured funding, don't necessarily know what to do or what talent they need, and being able to add that like extra value add of you know, okay, talk, talk to us, like, tell us the problem, tell us the the, the vision, and we'll help you, you know, establish kind of a hiring plan to, mm-hmm. to help you achieve that. And I think that's something that I've, um, I've really enjoyed throughout my career is not just being a transactional recruiter, like, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, go and find it for me. Like, why do you need it? How is this going to impact your business? Like, can I give you some advice? Can I help you along in this process? So um, yeah, it was, I think it was really important for us that we would we had a genuine value add obviously now we're getting so big um companies are coming to us you know bigger established companies are coming to us asking for help and obviously we're, we're more than happy to oblige but i think the vision was always to, to help companies in that startup scale up phase amazing and from a bd perspective because i mean it's a hot topic right now in, in in the community how do you get a lot of graduates who don't even know recruitment all starting at once <laughs> in different different areas how would you get them winning business like what what's the approach to that so it's i mean it's it's ever changing um you know i think when we when we first launched um it was about you know marketing ourselves correctly in the, in the marketplace like firstly them understanding you know what the marketplace is and you know spending a lot of time on linkedin a lot of time on crunchbase a lot of time on google news and at clean tech conferences and looking at attendee lists and you know really deep diving into you know what what is this market that we're trying to that we're trying to help um and then you know i know it sounds cliche but it's it's it's, it's an age old thing right talk to a talk to the candidates you know, have a chat with them, understand, you know, what's hot, what's not, you know, what's the next up and coming thing, what what interests them. And I think that, you know, getting grads who are super ambitious and, and so clever and, you know, I, honestly, that first bunch of graduates that I hired in April, like they just took to it. You know, you could see them talking to like chief product officers of these up and coming brands and you know, just having a chat like, oh, how was your weekend? You know, I, you know, you, oh, you're creating an MVP. What's that like? Is there any competitors on the market? And they're just chatting away. Yeah. And I'm kind of sat there like, what, what are wow. they doing? <laughs> it took me like two years to be that good on the phone. Yeah, and they're yeah, coming yeah. in and, you know, I think that's it. You know, hiring, hiring the right people um, has been an absolute, you know, it's, it's been the saviour, I think, of, of how we've grown so well. I'm interrupting today's episode to mention our sponsor. Talent Ticker are here to help everyone who are in such a candidate short market, right? So if you're looking to grow your recruitment business in 2022, you know candidates are important and Talent Ticker are here to help. What they do is they help recruiters work smart and not hard. They've got over 300 agency clients, recruitment agency businesses that use Talent Ticker, and that helps them connect to the right person at the right time for the right reason. Okay, it also automates a lot of monotonous tasks we use and provides simple tools to identify ideal and off-the-grid candidates, people that are under the radar for open roles. So if you like the sound of finding more deeper-level talent that's not exclusively on LinkedIn, for example, then get over to www.get.talentticker.ai forward slash hoxo. You'll find the link in the episode. Go and take advantage of the special offer they've got on there for our listeners. I've mentioned this with Claire, but you've always had that like a unique like team around them. So like the classic recruitment model is, you know, get a recruiter, builds his own desk, and then you, you know, you replicate through that person. 
-hmm. there might be training that occasionally gets involved but it's often very much down to that person yeah and that's why so many teams perform and others don't and it's you know businesses are constantly chasing themselves whereas you guys i think strategically built a layer of support that perhaps existed in much bigger companies and not necessarily in the ones that so talk us through that layer and what's involved there yeah, definitely. So we have, um, you know, firstly, we have the commercial arm of our business, um, which is like so fundamental, I think, you know, we, we hired a guy, Ryan Jones, um, you know, he's been here now pretty much since the same time he joined in May. Um, and he's had, you know, two promotions, he's, he's literally been like one of the core pillars of leadership in our business. And he is that person that the, the grads can go to with any questions regarding the client. So, you know, if that be terms that they need support with, negotiations, um, overcoming objections, writing up service level agreements, sticking to the service level agreements, having regular catch-up calls, progress reports after placement meetings, everything you could possibly imagine that takes the client from, you know, a, a kind of transactional person to, to a partner like he's the the leader on um you know he's grown his team now as well so as we grow the consultants obviously they wouldn't grow as rapidly but they've also yeah, grown yeah. in the support of that function so yeah i mean he's been uh, do they get involved with clients or is it just from behind no 100 percent. they're involved with yeah they're on pretty much every call um, with the with the graduates and then once you kind of graduate um then they're on the the big calls you know the calls where they need help or, or they want additional support so that yeah they're on everything they're very client facing they have no interaction with the candidates no. um and then you have our people ops function which is like our lnd function um and again you know we we had ellie from day one and she, she's been a, a backbone like all of those things that you think you know when you're a, a sales manager you know sitting down desk side what does your day look like today show me your bit your business development what's your target list you know how, how are you going to do that like you okay you want to pull a job this week Tell, talk me through your plan okay let me tweak that for you um you know monthly reviews coming with the stats and analysis and ratios like she just she manages all of that so there's so much that's kind of taken off of my desk that i can focus on I suppose what I do best, which is sales management, helping them close out the calls, you know, having the debriefs with the candidates, understanding the red flags, the orange flags. Um, so I can be, you know, hugely involved with them on the phone. Like for the first six months, I was on pretty much, as I said at the beginning, I'm a control freak. So it was probably an element of them wanting me to get me off the phones. Um, but, you know, having that additional layer of support allowed me to be involved in so many of those critical calls in the early days. And how did it, how did performance go? So like you've got you've got a big cost base straight away. So your PL is already in, you know, negative. How how did that ramp up and how how long did it take to get to a point of breaking even and then starting to see that, you know, there's profit coming from the first group? Or did you do you jump straight into the second group before you even get there? Like what's the because you know you're not doing things like traditionally, I no. <laughs> no, it's definitely not traditional. Um, I think we ended up breaking even by the November. Right. So we we hired the first cohort at the end of April um, and then we hired the second cohort in September. Right. Um, and by November, we were we were starting to break even. And then obviously wow. the, the last financial year, obviously, we're in, into the profit by, by quite a big stretch. So um, that's been really good. But I think it was, you know, the second month in the business. So I had 25 and they were yielding 10K per head um, the second month in the business, which is just madness really well, they I were was... bringing in 10k per head yeah yeah how is that even possible 
huge fees um yeah. is, is is part of it you know i'm not, not going to lie and say we were banging in 25 deals that wasn't the case but no. you know big fees our average fees around thirty-two thousand pounds right. um obviously in the us a lot forty thousand dollars or whatever that translates to at the moment but um yeah big fees you know working really senior end of the market and and always you know the, those few superstars that that shine through really really yeah. quickly you know i've still got um 11 of my cohort from 2021 in c and they're all managers all billing right. managers now all, all fantastic um so yeah it was i think it's yeah a combination of what happened to the other 14 like what would you say is i don't need not individually but as a collective what do you think main meant they didn't make it yeah i think a few things i think there's some people that just realize recruitment's just not for them like uh, and you know first job out of uni is a risk um you know it's a risk we take when we, we when we hire that bigger cohort from a graduate kind of standpoint yeah. because you know graduates don't necessarily know what they want to do and, and that's not to say that they know they don't want recruitment and then join it and re like they just don't know and and it is a hard environment and it is all the things that some love super competitive have to be really mm -hmm. ambitious you know high pace roller coaster um some love that some thrive on that um, and some find it like traumatic, <laughs> you know, it's, it can be really tough. So I think it's just a realization throughout time that, you know, it, are the highs worth the lows? And I think some people go 100% and some go no, and some go, I don't know, but I'm not prepared to stick yeah. it out and find out. So yeah, I think, I think it's usually, I don't think we've had many, maybe one or two in the whole time that have, that have decided to, to go into recruitment after being here majority yeah. it's that they've, they've followed another path and do you guys have a ratio like you're you know you know if you're going to take 25 you want to make 50 percent of them or whatever like do you, do, you, do you have like a plan that that you've got to stick to i would love 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 to to get to a point where we are retaining 75 percent of our academies mm -hmm. and we're not there yet yeah. um and we've got work to do and i think that every academy we retain more and that is the, for me, that's the, that's the sign that it's all moving in the right direction. Um, I would love to, you know, industry standard in recruitment, I think is about 40%. I, I don't, I don't want to be industry standard on anything we do. I want to be better. So I'd love to get to the point where we are retaining 75%. In our most recent uh, academy, which was the beginning of September. So they're three months in, um, we've only lost one uh, person. So we would, definitely moving in the right direction um but yeah i i think getting to a point where we hire a bit smarter you know we, we just you know dive a bit deeper around you know are, are you okay with how stressful this is going to be um and then also you know our training is getting slicker and slicker every academy we do you know we've done four now every academy we do the, the training slicker the uh, feedback sessions from them are more available like we're we're learning as we go because obviously hiring that many people at once is is a huge learning curve for anybody but i think we, it feels like we're really getting somewhere now um and excited like super excited for the fifth academy yeah I love that. It, I think it takes a different type of mindset, though, to kind of accept those ratios and, and move forward because some businesses beat themselves up. And I've been there where, you know, people haven't worked out for me. And individually, you, 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 you're so worried about that person and what happened and you over, you know, you, you, you're caught up in, the, in, in, in those little moments, whereas I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with that. You just won't achieve scale that like you guys have, right? It's just, yeah. you've got to, do you do you guys have like a leadership group where you're always 
convinced, like you're always pushing each other to think again, to keep thinking big. Because there must be moments where you all have times where you drop into that. Fucking hell, what have we achieved so far? <laughs> it's all on top of me. I've got all these people. Some of them don't even know what they're doing. You must have their moments because we're all human, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, definitely. I think that that is, you know, it's one of the really exciting things, I think, about um, the, the leadership group that we do have is that we are, we, we have fun together. And I think that's so important. Like, we do, we push each other's buttons sometimes. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're like you said, it's it's high, it's intense, it's an intense environment sometimes. But I think we we all really respect each other. I think that's that's key. Like every single person that, that has a seat at the leadership table um, has every other person's respect um, for what they've achieved in their career so far, what they've achieved in their individual brands and just who they are as a person, which I think mm. is is so important. Um, yeah, our, uh, I know it sounds really silly. Our heads don't drop as much as you'd think because we're running so fast. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those where if you, if you stop looking or you start, you know, you start overanalyzing or what's going on over there, what's happened back there, you're going to slow down. And I think that, I think moving into 2023 is a time where we've allowed ourselves a month to reflect. um, And we haven't necessarily allowed ourselves that time before. And I think it's been really good for everyone to just breathe for a moment and go, okay, you know, moving forward, we're not, we're not going to hire an academy for another few months. So, you know, let's really breathe this out and think about, you know, what, where can we tweak and where can we learn and, and who's, because the brands are so different, like it, from the outside in, I know it appears like, oh, it's Levin and, but they're so different. They operate so differently, different personalities, different cultures. Um, so, you know, let's learn from each other, you know, what's going really well at Storm 2, what's fantastic at Storm 6, what's, you know, Storm 3 had an insane year in 2022, you know, what can we learn and what can we steal and what can we implement? And and I think that's, that's probably what allows us to not get caught up in what goes wrong is that there's always someone doing it right. So you can go, okay, really really quick learn here I did this it didn't work what did you do because it seems to work I'm going to pinch that and, I, and then yeah. I'm going to run with it and see what you happens. all share offices is it all all yeah. in the same offices yeah we, we've got two at the moment because we got we got too big for our one but we're moving on the 6th of December we're moving into our, what we've, we've been calling our forever home um it is our 50 155 Bishopsgate right. um and it is going to be the largest um, recruitment sales floor in in Europe so it's going to be nearly 400 of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to come on one floor. Yeah, I've got to come and meet. On one floor. You've got to come and, <laughs> come and see it. I know Bishop Gate. I'm really excited. Well. Is, it, is it near the Heron Tower end or where, which end are you at? It's, so it's basically, you know, Liverpool Street. Yeah. Uh, if you turn left and you've got the, the big Italy. Yeah. It's above there. Right. Wow. Mm. That sounds yeah. insane. I want to come and see it. Sure, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet because it's been under construction. So it's we're, we're literally moving out of this office tomorrow. We're, we're all from home for a week next week so that, you know, our amazing operations team can can sort everything out, move everything. And, yeah, we're going to walk in there the week after next. I'm going to be back from our super trip in Vegas, which I'm hosting next weekend. Um, and I'm going to walk trip. in. So it's our super trip. So it's all for all of our top billers, top performers. Um and I, as a, as an avid lover of Vegas, I'm I put my hand up to host it. So Thursday night we're flying to Vegas. We'll be back on Monday, straight into the new office on Tuesday. So what's your plan yeah. for Vegas then? What have you got organised? Um, so I'm keeping it under wraps at the moment. Right, it's going to okay. be a surprise for them, but it's going to a lot, a lot of, a lot of VIP 
day parties, nightclubs. I really want them to Thursday experience. Thursday week or Thursday next week, you find? Thursday, so a week today, a week today, yeah. Yeah, this will be released on Wednesday, yeah. So you're going oh. to, we can't tell them what's going on. So, exactly. so you've got day parties, clubs, pools, all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything Vegas. I, this will be my ninth time in Vegas, so I'm I am excited about showing them. I actually lived there for a month when I was. Did 19. you? Yeah, I went coaching football out in America when I was 19. I landed in oh, San really? Diego. I'd never even driven a car. I passed my test when I was 17, but never had a car. So I'd not driven a, a, a manual car on the right on the left side of the road, and I get given an automatic <laughs> San Diego airport. Here's an automatic on the right side of the road. Here's a map. It was a map quest. It was called. Didn't have tom toms or sat navs. Go and drive 300 miles, five hours to Vegas on the wrong side of the road with two Irish guys in the back of your car. And I was just like... Sounds and, unreal. Uh, it was a, we had, had a great month. But the problem was, I, I, my first night out, I went to New York, New York club. And um, I had my, my older brother's ID that made me 21. And I, and I lost it. I got in. And then whatever happened, I lost it. And that was it then for the, the rest of my Vegas time. I couldn't... I went in the odd bar, but I couldn't go yeah. out at, at that age. Because I was oh. old enough in England. It wasn't like I was underage in the UK. And I was with, it was about five of us, five British lads in Vegas. And then on 4th of July week, the whole of South California's team, which is about 50 of us, all met in Vegas for a few days. And I couldn't go out. It was like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, that is a killer. Gutted. But that is that, a killer. All I remember from that place is it is just designed to take your money. That's all it it's is. Not... It's just the most so I, touch wood, I've never come back from Vegas down touch wood but let's let <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure i will this, time. this could be the first time <laughs> yeah. so okay so you're moving offices you've got the super villa trip and that's not just storm four that's all brands is it that's all brands yeah that's that's two three four five and six the, the when you say how many people are going on that then it's going to be 31 of us oh my god and what do they have to do to get there what's the criteria so it was the top 10 global top performers for the year, for 2022. What and then sort of we run a... talking to be in the top 10? Like uh, in excess of 450 right. pounds. Yeah. Um, which considering that there's some people... So one, one of my girls, Rebecca Cigar, she's, she joined in September last year. So from a standing start, new financial year starts first of November, yeah. and she's in. She's in. The, it's great. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so top ten, and then H two, um, we set like a fixed target of a quarter of a million, um, and then also um, there was like a, gra a graduate scheme. I can't remember the exact number, but pe for people that joined in year, so that they had an opportunity to come. I think we've got two or three of those coming, and um, we've got people from America coming, two from Singapore here. Um, one or two from Amsterdam, um, obviously a lot from London because it, you know, it's the, the more experienced players in in general. But yeah, it's going to be, it's yeah, I I actually can't wait. Like I'm getting so excited now. <laughs> so your UK team all recruit US, right? And then your European Correct. team recruit UK. Exactly. That is yeah. that's bonkers. Are the are the English people in Amsterdam? Are the Dutch people recruiting into the UK? So it's actually uh, my my Storm Four Amsterdam team is actually one of the most diverse teams in the business. So there's actually uh, between the thirty five consultants, there's eighteen different nationalities, which I think is a, so. Did you send cool. someone from London over to get it going though? Is it? No, I didn't. I actually hired an XS three person right. um, to set it up. Anthony, um, yeah, he he joined us 
actually at the back end of last year and then he had a lovely it was actually a really nice four-month runway into his first academy which is great because he got to spend so much time with London understanding the culture the business etc so when he launched it was yeah it was brilliant he's um he's got two amazing academies over there at the moment so yeah that's that's been good but yeah it is strange people do say that a lot you know the, the Amsterdam do a lot of business in London um and obviously it's weird for them because they can't go and meet the clients whereas we could but obviously we're all focused on the US so it's yeah, it is a, it's a tiny bit strange, but I think it's, I think it makes sense for us because we're the HQ and, and obviously we we started the business in the US. So it seems weird to us now to, I think, to, to walk down the road and meet someone would seem really unusual. Yeah. And, and how, um, are you planning on having boots on the ground in the US? Is that the plan? Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually launching our first ever academy in New York in February. Right. Um, and we've already got the um, director of Storm for New York. He's sitting here with us in London at the moment, Ross Byrne. Um, he was the uh, store. He was the, the Levin second top biller last year. Right. Um, so he was a Storm two uh, manager, um, right. and he's going to launch my brand in in New York, which is and yeah. What, what impact does that have on the UK though? If if there's suddenly an, an, a US team, do they have to then give up business, or how how would that work? No. So my, my motto, um, and again, I've, I've been really fortunate that, that Storm 2 and Storm 3 have launched in Dallas and New York already. Mm. So I've been, I've been able to, in some ways, sit back and look at, okay, what, what worked? Where were the kinks? Um, so my motto for the Storm 4 launch in New York is expansion, not dilution. Um, and that is everything that we're doing. You know, me and Ross are spending a lot of time together looking at, you know, absolutely, we want to utilize the hard work that the UK has done, but we want to expand our business into the US. We don't want to dilute the work that we've already done here in the UK. Um, and I think that's going to be the fundamental. Like if we, if we, if every decision we make as a business is based on expansion and not dilution, I think we'll, we'll have an amazing launch. Um, I think if you get a bit too caught up in, oh, well, you know, what's that client doing and how can I be involved in it? How can I take it off someone's desk? I think that's when you start to get into those conversations that they don't drive the right culture. Um, so yeah, me, me and Ross have spent a lot of time like, you know, looking at how, how, what would you do in this scenario? Okay, well, what expands and what dilutes? Oh, that's actually really easy now. So as long as we, I think both of us keep that in mind, expansion and dilution, um, I think it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be one of the best US launches that, that's happened. I love it. I love it. It's going to, it sounds like it's going to take a different mindset for the, for the London team. They've got to be prepared for that. But I guess if you've seen it from the other brands, then, you know, they've already yeah. made the mistakes with that. And they're, you know, my, my London team are as, as crazy as it sounds because they've been here 19 months at, at the longest tenure. They are such mature recruiters. Mm. Like they, the relationships they have with their clients, you know, the the pipeline that they're building, the the way that they map their businesses out, the knowledge of the market that they have is surreal to me. You know, that, that it's kind of the knowledge that I had five, six years into the to the business. Um, so for them to, you know, they they intrinsically know whether or not they can add value. And if they you know, they're, they're so good. You know, they've passed so many leads over to our European business, to our Singapore business. I've really tried to create a culture in Storm 4 where we share. Like it's, you know, we, if, if you're the best person to do the job and deliver to the client, then 100%. But if you're not, let's be honest about that. Let's be transparent and let's do the client service. Um, so, yeah, it's been... Um, it's been good so far. I'm excited to see how it goes. Obviously, there'll be challenges. You, 
you know when you when you open a business that's directly doing what you do that you that isn't in the same office it's, there's going to be challenges but I'm, I'm excited for them to see how the the consultants and how ross handle the, those challenges i think it's going to be really interesting it sounds it and when you said the cultures are different across brands like how would you describe it like what makes them obviously there's different leaders but is there an obvious thing that storm Two do that you guys wouldn't or is it like is there a way of i guess identity for each brand it's, it's difficult to kind of summarize each brand's identity. I think from Storm 4's perspective, we have, you know, obviously the, the market that we work in is super impactful. Mm-hmm. So the way that we have to work with our clients, with our candidates is it's about the mission. It's about what they want to achieve in their careers. It's there's very little transactional business that we do. So that's a, it's a huge relationship drive and that instills a culture amongst us. You know, we're very relationship driven. You know, it's a, Definitely, they a work hard. They say it all the time: work hard, play hard. Like we are, we're probably the brand that goes out the most, um, and we're definitely the brand that you know other brands will be like, "Oh, storm four out," because they know it probably means that there's going to be a, a fairly uh, lively evening. Um, but and, and I and I love that because that's how I that's how I grew up in in recruitment. You know, you, you have to let off steam. Like it's a hard job, and you have to be able to go out and have those chats with your peers. Like, oh, that was a really tough week. Like, or that was an amazing week. Um, so yeah, I think our culture is definitely a work hard, play hard. You know, we're it's it's a, in, incredible how fifty people are such good friends with each other, mm. um, and I love that. And I can't speak too much to the other brands because we are quite separate in that regard like we do do things very differently um but i know that obviously working in different markets that can be a bit more transactional obviously takes a different type of character and and things like that when it comes to the current economy and the you know there's a lot of talk of be of of the the vc funded tech companies letting people go i mean it's, it's common knowledge what impact has that had across the group um because you said you love those businesses that are high growth from the from the ground up they're the ones that seem to be struggling and having issues at the minute yeah I think we've been in incredibly I mean I, I call it luck but as I said in recruitment there's there's, ne- there's never such thing I think we we chose a market in storm four that is not completely protected by some of the economic downturns but it's highly protected um you know that I think everyone has woken up across the world now to the fact that something has to give with regards to climate change and I think that the companies that are doing these this incredible work in especially in the US where there's a lot of government funding at the moment it's actually having impact like you know the EV infrastructure in in the US is coming along way more than anyone ever thought it would in, in such a short amount of time you know there's EV um rubbish trucks there's ev school buses you know people would have if you just said 2022 like this is going to happen you know america would have said no way but Mm. these these companies that we work with are genuinely going out there and making that happen um so i think we're protected in 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 that sense that a lot of vcs are realizing that these companies are not only commercially very viable but they're making a change that that is needed, like it's so needed. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, Storm 3 obviously has very similar with the health tech industry. Um, I think Storm 2, you know, is, it is a bit more of a struggle. You know, NFT and crypto was a, was a big part of our business. That's up and down. But, you know, it's I think when you've done recruitment for 13 years, you just know it's going to it's going to peak again. Mm. So it's almost just that like having that resilience. You know, when I talk to the Storm 2 consultants, which I do, like just keep going because, there will, it, it, 
as, as quickly as it downturns, it upturns. And you have to be ready. You have to be engaged with your clients, your candidates. You have to know them really well. You have to understand their needs and challenges and future you know, vision. Um, and then when it flips, you're, you're in prime position to, to take over. So I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely been... What's the biggest sign in those in that sector? Is it has it been job flow? Has it been candidates not wanting to move? What, what's been job the biggest flow? Thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely job flow. Um, and I think you know slightly. Um, you, I think I, I I explained this to my consultants not not long ago. You know, there's always a, there's turns in markets, and if you if you're an experienced recruiter, you see them coming. You know, I think for for a, for a good year of Storm Four's inception clients could spend whatever they wanted you know there was funding coming in left right and center candidates knew that you know they would demand you know i want 30 percent increase on my salary i want this i want that and for the most part if they were good they were just given it and then i started to see more dropped offers and more counter offers being accepted or and there was just this it was an ever so slight change and shift but I think just, again, your gut instinct as a recruiter, if you've been doing it long enough, it's a market shift and we need to act. And suddenly it was, you know, retraining all of the consultants. You know, don't don't take the candidate's first salary for an answer. Tell them about how the market's changed. Tell them what they're going to face at offer stage. Tell them the fact that counter offers aren't as prevalent at the moment. You know, really, really explaining to them we're in a shift and I think as soon as we did that and we started, you know, managing candidates' expectations, managing clients still, but not in the way that we had previously, which was like, you have to pay for the best talent. Now, you still do have to pay, but maybe we can do some things, you know, with equity or um, with bonus structures or, you know, once your cash flows increased, et cetera, et cetera. Once you've got funding, maybe put in a clause that once you get Series B, you can increase by X, da, 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 da. Um, but we had to retrain on that. And we had to retrain as we were growing and as we were hiring academies. So... Mm. You know, when when you're a ten person business, retraining people is fairly easy. When you're, you know, twenty experienced, twenty mid experienced, twenty brand new, and you you suddenly need to tell them about what a market shift means and how to deal with it, it can become a bit more complicated. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's what I love about what you guys are doing is you. I don't know you. Everything you say is so simple. Like you're not. Com- <laughs> you never you never come out. But across all three of you that I've interviewed, I've never heard anything complex. Yeah. It all makes perfect sense, actually. But doing it all at once, like you're doing so many of the, I don't. I, that's the bit I still can't honestly imagine working in Levin because I'm like, it, it, maybe your head would be spinning. <laughs> there is so many people with so many demands and different markets and different challenges. It must be just like this boiling pot of information constantly that you've got to stay abreast of. Yeah, it is. And I think the people that we have in the business love that, love yeah. it. Like they they operate at their peak in in that exact pot, and I think that that's you know it's one it's one thing that I've loved is I've not come across many managers in my life where that that kind of almost organised chaos you know there's so much going on that's where they step up and go oh yeah yeah this is this is my wheelhouse so I think that you know coming across five six seven eight you know, VPs, C-level people who all love that. That's their passion. I think that's something JB has done phenomenally well, is he's put us together and realised, oh, yeah, you, you, you guys can handle this. Like, this how, involved is... Is he, how involved is he now? Um, Still, I mean, with me, still quite a lot. Obviously, with the actual on-the-ground grads coming in, not, not really, um, because obviously, yeah, the business has got so so big um so he's he works he works a lot with 
you know, George Truella, who's now the CEO of Marketplace, which is UK and, and US, and, and Angela Ward, who's the CEO of our global um, marketplace, which is uh, EU and, and Asia. So he works a lot with them. They work a lot with us. You know, George is mm. still very hands on with like knowing my consultants and, and, and my, my billing managers and what they're getting up to. So we still have the golden thread, which I think is so important. Um, but yeah, JB is... Um, He's 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 out there probably setting up seven, eight, nine, and ten. <laughs> Are you about six hundred people across the group? Yeah, six six seventy, I think, as it stands today. And you've got how many? Hundred and hundred and twenty-five. Yeah. So if I was to bring you back on in a year, which there's mm-hmm. potential of that, because I love hearing all these stories. Um, where are you going to be? That's my final question. Where do you be in a year? So in one year's time, we Christmas will have. Christmas 2023, I would say from a headcount perspective, we will be circa 250 people. Nice. Um, so, yeah, double. I think double is, is, is right. You know, we've got the um, Singapore team will have further academies. Australia will launch. New York will launch and have further academies. London will continue to grow and, and be the biggest um, office in, in Storm 4. Amsterdam will continue to grow. Um, there is potential. We have we have a Hamburg office, so there is potential of Hamburg. Um, we are we have a Dallas office, so there is potential of Dallas. So yeah, I would say 250 people, and we will be the most successful brand within Levin. Oh wow, there's a bit of competition there. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think, oh, Levin, will, do you think Levin will be double as well? Will you be about 1,200? Oh, at, at least I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting, crazy, phenomenal year. That's... How many years ahead do you guys talk as a leadership group? Um, four, roughly two to four. We, we talk kind of two in terms of, you know, office launches and, and where we want to be, but four in regards to like the end goals and, yeah. and the vision for the business. So yeah, two to four. I, th- I think going any further ahead than that in Levin would be too, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. too much. <laughs> well, okay, we're out of time. Um, and that's my fault for being a bit late. But I want to say thank you for giving us your time because you're obviously very, very busy. Um, incredible what you've achieved. As a group, I, I mean, I love listening to the to all of the, the leaders and the stories. Um, I'm, I'm going to get, I think Jamie's coming on quite soon to talk about the bigger picture for the whole, awesome. the whole business. Um and I mean it, you, you guys are being watched. You're creating a storm in the sector. And it is, it's, I love it. I mean, I don't believe every business needs to be like you guys. I think it'd be crazy and strange and it, it wouldn't, you know, I like the fact that you're you're standing out and there's others doing it completely different ways. And that's what this show's about, is about highlighting differences. But what you guys are doing is, as I said, it's, it's pretty unique. So well done. And um, if anyone did want to reach out to you after today and just say, look, can you give me some advice? Like, you know, maybe they're trying to do similar things. Are you open to just giving them some time? Of course. Yeah. Always. Yeah, 100%. All right. So on LinkedIn, you'll be tagged. If anyone wants to reach out, that would be a good place to do it. Um, but let's get you back on again in 12 to 18 months. Let's see how the journey's gone. Um, and uh, in the meantime, please stay safe in Vegas and, and keep, your, <laughs> keep your marbles as you grow. <laughs> I will try my absolute best. Absolute pleasure, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written, video, podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn that's how to brand themselves that's how to produce content that's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business we're coaching people all over the world every single day if any of that sounds of interest please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me Sean Anderson a personal message on LinkedIn and would love to talk to you I'll see you soon